0: Every once in a while, I'll ask Pastor Matt to to play a certain song, but maybe just a couple times a year. And yet, the Holy Spirit always seems to to bless us with songs that go right along with what it is that we're going through as as, as we study God's Word. And, and that that last song that we sang all the way my savior leads me it was it was written by fanny crosby in the 1800s and as as we sang that song all, all I kept thinking was it, it it was as if she had written this for us today things that people thought about in the 1800s are the same things that we think about today or we should be thinking about today we 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 look in, in the the hymn says, all the way my Savior leads me. Who have I to ask beside? How could I doubt His tender mercy who through this life has been my guide? And, and then the chorus goes, you, you lead me. You keep me from falling. You carry me close to your heart. And surely your goodness and mercy will follow me. It goes back, all the way my Savior leads me. We look in Scripture and we see that that is the case. He leads us. He leads us and he leads us all the way. The song concludes by saying, When my spirit clothed immortal wings its flight to realms of day, this my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. And he does. He leads us all the way. He's the author and he is the finisher of our faith. We we look at the end when we go before the Lord, when we're about to enter into eternity with him. And he tells us that when, when the Son of Man comes in glory, when Christ comes in glory, and all the holy angels with him, it's an incredible picture. The Son of Man comes in glory and all the, the holy angels with him. Then he'll sit on the throne of his glory. And the nations will be gathered before him. All of them. China, Uganda, Venezuela, United States. The nations are gathered before him. And he'll separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. Separate them. So you can picture all of the nations before him and he he separates them. There's those who are the sheep and there's those who are the goats. Gives us that picture there of there's those who are believers, the sheep, and there's those who are the goats, the unbelievers. And he tells us that he'll set the the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. And as sure as you could go out to the coast there and look and see the Pacific Ocean. As sure as y- you know that it's there, with absolute certainty that you can know that there will be a day when this will happen. I mean, He will bring all the nations before him and he will separate them. And he's going to say to those on his right hand, come you, Blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Come. Come, you who are blessed of my Father, and inherit this kingdom. Eternity in heaven. This kingdom that has been prepared for you since before the foundation of the world. Since before I ever created any of it. I prepared this kingdom for you. Well, look at this great plan of God in which before he ever created anything, he prepared this kingdom for us. But then he says to those who are on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. What a contrast. Come, you blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Versus, depart from me. Depart from me, you cursed. Into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. We want to be on the right hand, don't we? We want to be a part of those where it is come, not to part, come. you blessed of the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared from you for you from before the foundations of this world. And we see this picture that God gives us all the time of him being the shepherd and us being the sheep. You you watch shepherds and how they are with their sheep, and I look, and I I, I think God creates animals for a purpose, and it's for his glory, and it's to teach us. He didn't make sheep just for the heck of it. He he did it for a reason, and, and he made them very special, but made them also incredibly dumb, I mean, they, they, they can't do anything by themselves. If they fall into a hole and get cast on their back, they'll die there because they can't figure out how to roll out of it. They'll, they'll run off of a cliff. They, they have no means of protecting themselves. If a wolf comes, they, they don't get together and think, you know, like, all right, bring it on. Like, they, there's nothing that they can do. They're totally dependent upon the shepherd to lead them to where there's green pastures. They'll drink anything. They depend upon the shepherd to say, don't, don't drink that. Let's take them to the clear waters. Let's take them to still water. They, they are unable to do anything for themselves And God says, that's where you're at. He's not looking for the greatest or those who could do the most for his kingdom. He's not saying, come, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom because you you earned it. You did enough to get it. He's saying, I'm the good shepherd. Good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. John 10, 11. He says things like, I'm the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and I'm known by my own. I know them, and they know me. He says things like in John 10, 16, other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. A a verse that has been that which has been the heart and the the drive of missionaries for centuries where they, they go out with such confidence because God says things like, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Them I also must bring. Or maybe someone here this morning who's an unbeliever and this is a time where God says, you're, you're here because I must bring you. They will, They will hear my voice and they will follow me. He says things like, John ten twenty seven. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all, and no one's able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. He says, I, I've been given these sheep, and there's no one that could take them away. I know them, they hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. You look at Psalm 23 and it makes it so clear. Where he, Psalm says, the Lord's my shepherd. He goes through and describes how he makes him to lie down in green pastures. He leads him beside the still waters. He restores his soul. He leads him in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because he's the good shepherd. He'll take us exactly where we're supposed to be, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But there is a major difference between the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. There's a major difference between those who will enter into his kingdom prepared for them before the foundations of this world and those who he says, depart from me, you cursed. As we've been looking at Romans chapter 8, We come to a chapter in which it is filled with verses that are so powerful to cause us as his people to find ourselves secure and safe in the arms of our good shepherd. He begins by saying, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, there's none. And yet he also makes very clear that there are those who possibly think that they are saved but they're not. There's those that maybe profess to believe and yet it's not a real salvation. We began looking at this last week and we'll continue to look at it this week. You see in in Romans 8, there in verse 8 it says, So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh, those who are unbelievers, they they cannot please Him. Those who are the goats, they can't please Him. There's nothing that an unbeliever can do that makes God look at them and say, You're not that bad. I I know you never believed in my son, but you're a good person. I couldn't imagine sending you to eternity in hell. I'll change things. You're you're in. You you never had a chance to to hear you. You're surrounded by so many hypocrites that call themselves Christians, I wouldn't have believed either. You're safe, you're okay, go ahead and and come in anyhow. He doesn't do that. He he says so clearly so clearly that those who are in the flesh they cannot please him. They cannot. It's impossible. There's nothing in our own flesh, in our own works, trying to be the best people that we possibly can that could ever please a holy God. But then Paul goes from there to talk to these Romans and says, here to this particular church, they're in verse 9. Look there. But you, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You're not in the flesh. You're not those who cannot please God. You are in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. You're not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Who's this referring to? I mean, it's it's, it's absolutely critical that we understand who it is that's not in the flesh, but that's in the Spirit. It's questions of eternal significance. It's the difference between whether we're on the right hand or on the left. Who are those who are in the Spirit? It's the Christian. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. You're not of the flesh, but in the Spirit. If Indeed, the Spirit of God dwells in you. It's not just for the Christian who is doing devotions daily, who prays for hours a day, who is living victoriously over sin. The promise is given to those who have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. And that's the promise for all Christians. This is important for us. I mean, you look at this and when it says, you're not of the flesh but of the Spirit... It's not because you're doing everything perfectly. It's because there has been a radical change that's taken place in your heart because the Spirit of God dwells in you. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on whether you're keeping up with the people who are sitting next to you. It's based totally and completely upon you having the Holy Spirit within you. It's not based upon whether you know the facts about Christ intellectually. Those who are in the Spirit are those who have been made new creations in Christ. The Holy Spirit has regenerated you. You've, you who were dead spiritually are now alive in Christ. The Spirit of God dwells in you. It's referring to all believers. The Christian has been delivered from the realm of sin and death and he's been transferred to the realm of having the Holy Spirit Indwell you the life of spirit in life. This is the work of God in our lives. We're told that he is the one who saves us. Salvation is of the Lord. And that is what takes place. A work of God by which he takes hearts of stone. And he changes these hearts of stone. And makes them hearts of flesh. He takes you who were blind and makes it so you're able to see. He does a radical work in your life of transforming you. And and he says you're a new creation in him. He goes on to say, now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And so what he's saying is if, if that work of taking a heart of stone and making it into a heart of flesh, making you who were dead, alive, making you who were blind, able to see, making you who, who once were that old man into a new creation in Christ, you who once did not have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, but now you do have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. If you don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, you're, you're not his. You're a part of this group that's on his left hand that are the goats, that are the unbelievers. Verse 10 goes on and says, And if Christ is in you, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Every person who has the spirit is safe in the arms of Christ. They have life, they have righteousness, even the righteousness of Christ they, Though their body is dead because of sin, regeneration through faith in Christ has taken place and the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit causes our spirit to have life and we're made forever and ever righteous in Christ because that is what takes place in regeneration. That's what takes place at conversion. That's what takes place when you're saved. There's not three levels of Christian, the or th- three levels of people, the person who's an unbeliever, the person that, uh, is just in this place of not getting to get a carnal Christian and then there's that place where you're the mature Christian or you're the real Christian it's there's, there's goats and there's sheep there's those that are dead in their sins and there's those that have been made alive there's those that have hearts of stone and there's those who have hearts of flesh there's those who have no righteousness and there's those who have the very righteousness of Christ. I, I'm not saying that there's not Christians that struggle with carnal things there are, they're, they're are. But there's only two types of people. There's the unbelievers and there's the believers. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And so we look at this and it goes on in verse 11. It says, but the, every one of these transitions is, is critical to us. And we see here some incredibly important word. But there's a transition here. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Okay, so he has our attention. If the spirit of him who caused our Lord Jesus Christ to rise again from the dead on the third day. If the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. If if the one who raised Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit, is in you, you can be absolutely sure that in that last day He will cause you your mortal body to rise again from the dead and enter into a resurrected life for eternity with your glorified body in heaven. It's it's a fact without any doubt it will happen. Of all that the Father has given him, he'll lose none of them. He'll raise you up on that last day and you could be absolutely certain that if you who had a heart of stone had your heart changed to a heart of flesh, it's not based on yourself, it's not based on how well you're doing. It's based on what God Almighty has done in your heart to where you could be absolutely sure that he who rose Christ from the dead will cause you to rise up into everlasting life. He tells us this to be a comfort to us. He tells us this to, to have it be something that gives us assurance. This whole chapter has been a chapter of assurance for believers, confidence for believers. A view of God that looks at it and says, He does this. He, he calls me. I come. I hear His voice. I follow Him. There's no condemnation for me. He began the work. He'll, he'll finish it. All the way, the Spirit leads me. All the way, my Savior leads me. He, he continues it. He'll, he'll take me to that place where I will spend eternity with Him. So, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. It's the Spirit who gives life; the flesh profits nothing. John six sixty three. It's a Spirit who gives life. In verse twelve, it goes on and says, "Therefore, okay, so therefore, if." If you have the Spirit of Christ, and He dwells in you, and He belongs to you, and you have righteousness because of Him, and if He's going to raise you up in the last day, therefore brethren, therefore Christians, he's using the word brethren, therefore Christians, we are debtors. If Christ is going to take every one of us who has faith in Christ, who have been given new hearts if he's going to take every one of us and give us resurrected bodies and he'll finish the work he began in us therefore brethren we're debtors we are debtors now look at this and it's important There, there there is a reason why we go verse by verse through scripture there is a reason why we corporately stand up together and read God's word. We do it because it is the very words of God. I was talking with somebody just this last week saying, my job here on Sunday morning is is not to entertain at all. It is just to, to tell you this is what God says. My study throughout the week isn't how to capture your attention. My study is, what does it say? What does it say? I just need to know what it says. And when we look at what it says, it is amazing to see it. This is what God has done for you as a result. Therefore, brethren, we're debtors. We're debtors. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Those words are huge to us. We're debtors. We're debtors not to the flesh, not to doing the things that the flesh does, even the things that we think would... Be that which pleased God, that which would earn our salvation. We're debtors not to the flesh, and not to do the sinful things of the flesh as well, not to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What does that mean? I mean, every one of these verses builds on one another to bring us to a place of having confidence in our salvation. If you live according to the flesh, you'll die. If you're living in a way in which all of it is about your flesh, he said you're not a believer. You will die in that place, but if by the Spirit, if... If the Holy Spirit has given you a new heart, has entered into you and dwells within you, convicts you, enables you to understand his word, enlightens his word to you, teaches you, surrounds you with believers to minister to you and to build you up, if the Holy Spirit is in you, If you're living by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. And you'll live. Not if you're doing it by your own power. Please understand this. It is not saying if you, in your own abilities, are able to put to death the deeds of the flesh, you'll live. It's not saying that. It's not saying, okay, brothers and sisters at Reverend Bible Church, if you guys live a really good life and you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you're going to live. You could do it. Go, rah, rah, go, go. You could do it. That's not what it's saying at all. It's saying if you live by the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit has indwelt you, you are saved, your heart has been changed, you're a new creation, he has indwelt you, and this is what has taken place. If that has happened, the deeds of the flesh are going to be put to death, and that's the evidence that you know that you're a believer. It's evidence. You will know that you're living by the Spirit if you are seeing the deeds of the body being put to death. So, my question to you is do you see the Holy Spirit changing you? Are you convicted of sin? Do you see yourself treasuring Christ more and more and treasuring the things of this world less and less? Do you love Him? Are you concerned for his glory, desiring to live a life to the glory of God? Do you see that in your life? Because an unbeliever does not. Every one of you can attest to that. That there was a time when you were still dead in your sins and your trespasses. And you didn't see the Holy Spirit changing you. You weren't convicted by sin. I mean, you maybe feel bad about doing stuff, but it wasn't a conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit. You see that there's a difference now. Not only that, but you didn't treasure Christ more than the things of this world. You treasured the things of this world. All of it was about the things of this world. All of it was about building the things of the world. Now you look at it and you're like, this stuff doesn't matter to me. I, I treasure Christ. And there's still a battle that takes place for every one of us. There's times every time we sin, we're saying, I treasure that more than Christ. Every time we sin, we do that. But there's conviction that's there, and you hear sermons like this, and you look at it, and you say, "God, help me to treasure you more. I just want to treasure you more. I want to live for you. I want that in my life. I don't. I don't want to build up my stuff here on earth where moth and rust destroy." I, I want a set of treasures in heaven. I, I want things that that matter. I want to treasure Christ more than anything that this world has to offer. And you, you see a difference. You love him. Before, you may have said things like, yeah, I love God. I mean, it's not like I hate him or anything. I, don't think I, I guess I love God. But now you look at it and you're like, no, 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 no. I love him. I love him. I I, I sing songs of praise to Him, and it, it it just brings me such joy to do it. I love Him. I want to, I want to please Him. I want to obey His commandments. Jesus says, "If you love Me, you'll obey My commandments." And as believers, you look, you say, "I want to, I want to obey His commandments." What am I doing? The things I hate to do are the, the very things that I do. Why, why do I do that? I want to please Him because. I love him. There's a change that's taken place in your life. And that change that's taken place in your life is Christ in you. The Holy Spirit in you. You care about his glory. The Holy Spirit is in you. He's so good to put to death the deeds of the body. Not to say that you don't struggle with sin at all. But you see death to the deeds of the body. And then in verse, in verse 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Reverse. But as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. One of the ways that you know that you're a child of God, one who is adopted into the family of God, one who is his sheep, one who is led by the Spirit of is, is, is that you are led by the Spirit of God. It's one of the evidences that you are a believer, that you're not a part of those on his left hand, but you're a part of those who are, on, who are on his right hand, is because you're led by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit always will lead you through his word. Through his word. The Holy Spirit gives life. He empowers us, he illuminates scripture to us, he enables us to understand his word, he guides us, he directs us through his word, he convicts us of sin, he purifies us, he gives us holy affections for our triune God. God does that, you're led by the Spirit. Turn with me to Galatians chapter five, verse sixteen. Galatians five, sixteen. If you don't have your Bibles with you, there's Bibles under the pews. Galatians five sixteen. Here we, we see this just reiterated again. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are... So what it's saying is if you live according to the flesh, there's no battle that takes place. There's no conviction that takes place. You're living in adultery. You're living in fornication. You can live like this and there's no problem for it for you. You just, nah, okay, I am going to do what I want to do. God's saying, you're not led by the Spirit. The Spirit will not allow you to continue in that without Christ leaving the 99 and going to get the one that went astray and say, repent. Repent. Go, go back to the ways of righteousness and he will discipline you and he will bring you back and so you look at this and it says these are the the works of the flesh but the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control against such there is no love this is What it is to be led by the Spirit. You see this coming out in your life more and more. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You see that, the fruit that comes out of your life. And it is the fruit of God in you. It's not saying, do these things and then you get to go to heaven. It's saying, the natural fruit of God being in you, being a new creation in Christ, having a new heart, is all of a sudden there's love that goes towards people that... Where'd that come from? I hated that person before. Now I love him. I find myself praying for them. How that happened? I have joy. I used to be so afraid. I have joy. It's inexpressible. It's full of glory. I, I can't wait to go into eternity with him. I have peace. I used to never have that. I have peace. This load that was on me has been taken away. He's, he's thrown it into the depths of the sea, and my sins are gone. I have, I have peace with God. kindness that's coming out of my life, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and it is the result of Christ in us, the fruit that comes from him. It is not the result of our own flesh, our own merit, earning it. All of this is there are those on his left hand and there's those on his right, and those on his right have been changed radically so that if you look exactly like you used to look on, as those on his left, don't have any confidence that the Spirit of God dwells in you. I see people where they'll say things like, yeah, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, yeah, you know. Of course. And yet their lives are indistinguishable indistinguishable from the world. They don't love him. They don't love his word. There's no godly affections for him. No desire to please him. There's no killing of the deeds of the flesh there's no change in their life and God would say to you who are in that place have no confidence that the spirit of God dwells in you and there's nothing that you could do to please him the only way is through faith in Christ the only way is to be a new creation and God says look at this and may it be a mirror that you look at and you hear what's being said and the Holy Spirit works in your heart to bring you to salvation where you look and you say I'm in desperate need of a savior and then god saves you you ask for forgiveness of sin and to follow him as the lord of your life to to cause you to spend eternity with him and he says when i separate the sheep from the goats those who believe in me will not perish but have everlasting life Jesus says, you'll know them by their fruits. Matthew 7. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. If there's bad fruit coming out of your life, and that's all that you see, there's no fruit of repentance, there's no conviction, there's no being led by the Spirit, there's no desire to please Him, no conviction of sin. If that's not the place, God would say, brothers and sisters, by their fruit, you'll know them. In fact, he even tells the church, if there is somebody who is in church that is in sin, go to them. If they don't repent, then bring others with you. Go to them. Plead with them to repent. If they still don't repent, then bring them before the church. As a church, call upon them, please, brother, repent. Sister, repent. You, this is what God says in his word. You've got to repent. And if you're led by the Holy Spirit, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, you will look at it, you will see it in the pages of Scripture, and you will look at it and say, I can't live like that anymore because God says, don't live like that anymore, and you repent because you're led by the Spirit of God. And God says, if they don't repent, even when you've brought them before the whole church, they still don't repent, you got to assume that they're an unbeliever. Treat them as an unbeliever because a believer would repent. Why? Because they're good enough? No. Because they're led by the Spirit of God, they see the sin and they repent. The believer hungers and thirsts for righteousness. It's God who does the work in us. Philippians, Paul says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The Holy Spirit is in you. You're led by the Spirit. He is working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. This isn't a message to have someone who's struggling with sin totally doubt their salvation. You're struggling with sin because you are a sinner. You're struggling with sin because you're still in this place of of waiting to enter in and have a new resurrected body and spend eternity with Christ in heaven. But if you look at it and there's no struggling with sin taking place, you just just live in sin. You live in it. The works of the flesh are just everything coming out of your life, and there is no conviction, no longings to glorify him, no love for him. You'll know them by their fruits, and there's a difference in a believer. God works in them, both to will. He works on our will and to do of his good pleasure. It is the Spirit's enabling that does that. I would hope that this is an incredible encouragement to every one of us here as believers. That we would look at it and say, I'm so far from where I'm supposed to be, but I'm not even close to what I was. The deeds of the flesh are being killed all the time. I still struggle with sin, but he convicts me and I, He speaks to me from his word, and I love him. Even though I sin, I love him. I have longings for the things of God. I have affections, great affections for him. And for you... In that mindset, he would want you to know that if you are led by the Spirit, you are a son of God. You have been adopted into the family. You know that that has taken place, not because of anything that you have earned or anything that you have merited or anything that you have done, but because God has taken your heart of stone and given you a heart of flesh, and he's made you a new creation, and his Spirit dwells in you. And as a result, you're led by the Spirit, and you're a son of God, and just as he rose again from the dead, you will too into everlasting life. It is the greatest news ever. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Why? Because salvation has taken place. At the same time though, may this be a strict warning, a strong warning to those who are still dead in their sins and trespasses. If there is not that fruit of repentance, that fruit of being led by the Spirit in your life, Be convicted today by the power and full authority of God's word that you do not belong to him and repent of your sins today. Ask that his spirit might dwell within you and follow him all the days of your life. As your Lord and as your Savior. And God says that whosoever would come to him, and he would in no ways cast out. Gospel not based on you cleaning up your life beforehand, but totally and completely based upon faith in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins and gives you his righteousness. All of us who are on this side Uh, He prepared it for you before he ever created the world. He made you his own special people. He gave you a new heart. He did it. He gave you his Holy Spirit. He started the work in you, and he'll be faithful to complete it. You can be assured that you will spend eternity with him in heaven. Power in the words of God. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this text. You graciously gave us to give us hope and to give us assurance. And to cause us to know that we will spend eternity with you. That we are sons of God adopted into your family. At the same time, Lord, please, by the grace of your Holy Spirit, bring great conviction to anybody here who does not yet know you. You tell us there's rejoicing that takes place in heaven when a sinner comes to repentance. And whether someone's been attending our church for years or today is their first day, bring salvation to them today by causing them to see in your word that they are yet to be saved. You're so good to do that. You've done that in each one of us as believers. And it's for that reason we praise you We have great hope in you, great affections towards you, and we sing praises to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.